God is good. Are you awake? <laughs> God is good. And all the time. Amen. I hope that you are experiencing the goodness of God in your life this week as we go to God's Word to wrestle again with this uh, powerful struggle between flesh and spirit. And how do we respond to and resolve our anger when someone hurts us or offends us or says something mean and destructive or does something to us in our lives? Let's go first to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow with me? Lord, we all find those moments where we are angry. And we know it's, it's perfectly normal, Lord. But often our anger leads to regret when we say or do something that we cannot take back. So first of all, Lord, we're thankful for grace and forgiveness. But we also pray, Lord, that we would learn something today that would help us to move forward in healthy ways, to be led not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I was pastoring a church that had two members. We'll call them Tom and Bob. That's not their real names, but... Uh, They're no longer living, but for 20 years to the day they died, these two guys, Tom and Bob, were mad at each other and refused to speak. Year after year passed, and they said not a single word to one another. And it's incredible. It actually takes a lot of work to ignore someone for that long to that level because they were members of the same church. They went every Sunday morning to the same Bible study group, answering the same questions in the group. They, every Wednesday, attended the same fellowship meal and even sat somewhat close to each other, just one table apart. And every Sunday, week after week, they were in the same sanctuary, singing the same songs, reading the same scripture, and hearing the same sermon. But they refused to speak with each other because 20 years ago, one of them did something to the other or said something to the other that that hurt feelings, that broke relationship. And they never could seem to move past it. I mean, it's, it's to the point, it's almost like little children. I remember being in a men's fellowship meeting. And we'll say Tom. Tom was standing at the front making some announcements. And he says, don't forget everyone that this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have our weekly fellowship meal. And Bob pipes up in his big booming voice, Someone tell Tom that the fellowship meal starts at 6, not at 7. And Tom said, someone tell Bob, I know that, my mistake, he's right, it starts at 6, not 7. But they didn't say it to each other. One time I pulled both of them aside separately 
and privately asked them, what happened 20 years ago? What happened all those years ago that you won't speak to him any longer? And they both gave me identical answers. I can't even remember. (laughs) They don't even remember what caused the split. But they held on to it and lived out that anger in this very cold, distant, passive, aggressive way. That's one way that we are often tempted to respond to our anger and to resolve our anger is what we would call too cold to hold. Now, last Sunday, if you were here, we talked about a more common response, too hot to handle. And when we are angered or hurt or wounded, in the flesh, our instinct is typically to respond too hot. We yell, we try to hurt the person back or, or use words that will wound them. We want them to feel what we are feeling. Sometimes that too hot response causes us to seek revenge. And in the worst case examples, we may even turn physical to violence or even verbal violence to wound that person. That's the the too hot to handle. Today, as we look at too cold to hold, we're going to look at another response that's, I think, equally damaging, though not always as obvious and visible. Two cold responses. What are those? So, for example, the silent treatment. Some people call this the cold shoulder. You know, you just kind of turn on that person. The silent treatment is something that every husband and wife in the world probably knows exactly full well. You don't have to be in a marriage relationship to understand this one. It's, for example, the husband and the wife get in an argument and there's a conversation about why the argument started and let's say one of them, we'll say the man because I'm a man and I'm going to use that example. Let's say the man thinks it's all resolved. So he's sitting there watching TV. Wife walks in. Hmm. Doesn't speak. Hey, honey. No response. She sits down as far away from him as possible on the sofa. And he says, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Whatever. Or no response at all. And he asks, Honey, shots, darling, what's wrong? And what does she say? If you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Now that's an example from marriage, but I've seen the same thing play out in work relationships, in friendships, in parent-child relationships, where we try to cause a sense of anxiety and angst. This is Again, that passive-aggressive, but it's still aggressive. We want them to feel bad or feel uncomfortable, and we use silence to do it. Another way that we can respond in kind of a too-cold-to-hold way is when we keep everything in. It's a different kind of silent treatment. It's, it's when we internalize, we, we hold all of that anger in, and we may even do one of these. 
put on a happy face, right? This is the number one sin on almost every Sunday morning is there's something inside, but we are, I'm fine, you fine? Okay, we're all fine, but we're not all fine, are we? Have you ever heard what fine stands for? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, (laughs) and so forth. And so I tell you, for example, I had a boss who would do this all the time. If someone angered him, he would go, it's okay. And he would pretend like it was okay. But it's kind of like blowing up a balloon. You know, you put a lot of hot air in a balloon and you blow it up and you blow it up. And what happens if you keep blowing into the balloon? Pop. There's an explosion. There's a reaction. And it's the same way in the human body that when we hold it in and hold it in and try to be cool and keep it cool, it will lead to too hot to handle, almost always. And I'll tell you, a third too cold to hold situation is when we cut people out of our lives altogether. Kim and I, my wife and I have a dear friend that we grew up with, uh, know her very well, know her family, uh, know all all about their family. She is, is currently a missionary, but at some point her parents said something that, that hurt her and hurt her husband. And so they just cut them out of their lives altogether. No opportunity for resolution or reconciliation or forgiveness, just I'm done with you, it's over. That's the ultimate extreme cold shoulder, isn't it? It's not just the silent treatment, it's cutting them out. And maybe we haven't done something quite as extreme as that, but all of us have had times in our lives where we just sort of put people out of our friendship circle. And we often tell ourselves or give ourselves permission to do this by saying, I don't want to have toxic people in my life, right? But what if that toxic person is a brother or sister in Christ? Believe it or not, where I see the cut you off response the most is in the body of Christ. Somebody in church Uh, said something, maybe the preacher said something in a sermon and you took it personally. So what do we do? Or the church makes a decision to change something or to, to purchase something. It's almost always about money, right? And what do we do? The common postmodern response is to simply get out your tablet and Google, where's there another church to go? (laughs) That's cutting people off. And I'm not saying that there are times where we need to make a move or a transition, but we don't always, we don't always need to leave a place just because we don't agree with everything. Now, there are cases. That's another sermon. But I liken it to this. When you see something wrong in the body of Christ in your particular church, and you, you get angry or you get upset about it, you become passionate, and we just leave and cut them off and go to another place. It's like being on a boat. 
that has a hole and it's taking on water and everyone is frantically trying to stop the water from coming in, but you just say, well, you know, there's another boat over here. It's not sinking. Good luck. That's cold. That's too cold. All of these responses, as we'll see in our Galatians passage, these are flesh responses. They are responses in the flesh and from the flesh. Paul writes to the Galatians, this is the passage we read last week, in fact, that in verse 19 of chapter 5, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. There, this, this is such a concise, universal message for us in dealing with our anger. Now, he, he talks about a lot of flesh temptations and flesh issues. But for our discussion today, we continue to look at these specifically, enmity, strife. These are very similar. It's, it's that being at odds with the person. And when we're angry, it's hard not to have strife, to want to, to aggressively push against that person. Anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, and so forth. Drunkenness. You can be drunk on hate. You can be drunk with hate. It's such a powerful, powerful emotion response. But for today, we're talking about how we passively, aggressively work hate into our lives. The flesh is what causes that. And Paul is making this distinction. He's saying, like, you have a body, and we can all see your body. Some of us have more body than others. <laughs> but in that body, there are two natures, two wills that are in opposition to each other. You're just one person, you're just one body, but you have within you this, this flesh nature. And if you're a believer, you also have the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the, the, the third person of, of the Holy Trinity of God. And these two are at war with one another. Your old flesh nature that wants to go by instinct and impulse and animalistic, very just earthy, easy responses versus the Spirit that seeks all of these things of the Spirit. Love is of the Spirit. Love and joy is of the Spirit. It's not natural for us to just truly, 1 Corinthians 13, love someone. Peace 
is of the Spirit. The flesh wants conflict. The Spirit wants peace. Patience. Patience is hard. You've ever heard the prayer, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. (laughs) Patience does not come naturally. And patience requires love. It requires joy. Patience requires kindness. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. To just, could you imagine if we were just kinder to the people in our lives? And kindness does not lead us to cut people off or give them the silent treatment or wish that they feel, felt uncomfortable or had anxiety. And kindness does not let us simply ignore the situation. Faithfulness. How faithful are we to the people in our lives, to the people of the church, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our neighbor? Gentleness. Gentleness. It it, it seems like gentleness is the opposite of violence. And yes, it is. But again, violence is not always physical or verbal. Silent violence hurts as well. And gentleness makes no room for such ways. And then the last one to mention for this service is self-control. And this is a tricky one. Because the enemy will trick us into thinking that silence is self-control. But in our silence and in our cold responses, we could not be any more out of control than we are. Control leads to response, to talking with this person. And so in Galatians, we're told that these these fruits of the Spirit are available to us. And when we access them in our lives in a general way, And in in the moment way, as we talked about last Sunday, it gives us these healthier responses. For example, if someone angers you and you feel tempted to cut them out or to give them the silent treatment or, or to just pretend like it didn't happen, the first thing that the Spirit would cause us to want to do is to pray. Pray for your enemies, the Bible tells us. Friends, it is hard to hate someone for very long when you are in the presence of the holy God and you're in communion with the Lord in this thing, this intimate, beautiful gift of prayer. And to be praying for that person, God will change your heart in a minute. He will soften you. And not only that, but as you pray for your enemy, you will begin to have ideas about how to resolve the conflict. And these won't come from your flesh. They come from beyond us. They are revelation from the Spirit. Praying does that. And not only praying, but I tell people, when someone offends you or hurts you, the first thing to do after prayer is to preemptively in advance, love that person and forgive that person. It's a decision. It's something you just decide. It might not be what you feel. 
It might not be where your heart and your emotions are, but if you just say, I, I, I commit to loving and forgiving this person, then the Spirit will begin to grow us into that reality. It's like you say it and it comes to pass. It doesn't mean that you have already loved or forgiven, but you're committing to doing it. You're agreeing ahead of time that you will forgive. And then you live into that reality. And that means, my friends, you have to be willing to lose. You have to be willing to lose. I heard a pastor once pray this beautiful prayer. He said, Lord, give me love, even if it means the losing of all my precious arguments. That's what love will do to you. It will mess you up. It will change your life. And you won't have room in your heart for hate if you have it full of love. And remember, love is a physical thing. Love is a physical act. Right? Love is not just what you say. It's not even just what you think. Love is action. It's what we do. It's what we do for each other. And I'll see people, best friends, who will get in an argument with one another, and they'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor, help us. We want to reconcile this friendship. What do we do? And I tell them, start doing things for each other that you would do if you were absolute best friends. Well, I don't want to do that. Just do it. For one week, do something every day. A nice, kind text. Call, how are you doing today? Send them a little card or, or a note. Offer to buy their coffee at the coffee shop. And after a week, tell me how you feel about one another. And when a week's time, the next Sunday comes around, they're high-fiving each other, patting each other on the back, because the action has produced the feeling, not the other way around. Love is action. And when we look at this passage from Galatian, I, I can't help but also think about what we heard in our opening scripture. It's a, just a, a powerful statement in this Ephesians passage from chapter 4 that we heard earlier, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't let it just sit there. Don't let it just build up. Jesus, in fact, took it even further in the Gospel of Matthew when he said, you have heard it said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with your brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister... You will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift extraordinary words 
from Jesus. You're here in the worship service singing your little heart out to the Lord. And in the back of your mind, the Holy Spirit creeps up this little reminder. Hey, you know, you haven't spoken to Tim in like a week. He's sitting right over there. Do something about it. I call that the spiritual kick in the pants where the spirit just, you didn't ask for it, you weren't looking for it, but it just kicks you right when you need it. Go and fix this. And think about what the the alternative to spirit is, that flesh response, it leads to nothing good. Nothing good. Think about Ray, think about the people I was talking about earlier, I almost gave you their real names. Uh, Tom and Bob, (laughs) we said, Think about Tom and Bob and their situation. They were miserable in social settings because there was always this weight in the room. And not only were they uncomfortable, I was uncomfortable. Everyone in the room was always a little bit uncomfortable in that weight. Think also about the missed joy they had. They were funny guys. They could have had so much laughter together. They lost all of that because of the flesh. Think about how much of an opportunity they lost to do good for the kingdom, to work together, to make a difference in the community, and yet all of that was lost because of the flesh. And then think about internally having to carry around that bitterness, that resentment, I've said this many times, I'll say it again, that when we hold on to and harbor hate in our heart, it's like sitting in a sour marinade. We just soak all that bitterness up and it becomes a part of us. And it will ruin us. It will rob us of joy and life. I was talking about this sermon with Miranda after church last Sunday And she shared with me a saying that I had never heard. Maybe you have, but I will never forget it. She said that when we have people in our lives that that we are angry with, and we hold on to that anger, and we just want them to suffer, we want to to give them the cold shoulder, or, or we want to be too hot to handle, we just want them to feel miserable. She said, it's like we have brewed a poison meant for them and yet we drink it ourselves. My friends, I leave you with this question. What are you drinking in your life today? Would you pray with me? Lord, may we not drink the poison any longer. But for those of us who have something against our brother or our sister, may we leave this place today and go and be reconciled with him or her. May we open our hearts to kindness and gentleness, faithfulness and patience, love and generosity and peace so that we might have joy and life to the full. May the thief no longer kill and steal and destroy our relationships, but may the Spirit win. May love win. May peace win. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.